Hi everyone, my name is Michaela, and this is the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness, where we spotlight stories from our community to uplift the collective consciousness. Thank you for being here and enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela, glad that you're here with me today. We have guest Amy Fueling. Amy is an MVP alum who graduated our, oh gosh, one of our first couple in-person sessions at the um, Brick and Mortar in Austin, Texas. Um, So I'm really excited to have Amy here with me. Amy, how are you today? I am wonderful, Michaela. How are you? I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, Thank you so much for giving us your time, your space, your energy. Um, And I'll just jump right into it. So I already gave a little intro about who you are, why you're here. Give us a little more. What are you into? When did you find yoga? How did you find yoga? Whatever you want to share. Sure. Um, So as you already said, um, I am currently, well, no, I'm an MVP alum. He didn't know anything else. Um, so yeah, I'm an MVP alum currently teaching one to like three to four classes a week, depending on how many I pick up for subbing. Um, I am currently living in Austin, moved down from Wisconsin about a year ago. So for any listeners, that explains what you may hear occasionally from me. If a few opes slip out, um, I apologize for that now. Um I will put out there that I am a CPA. That's what like I spend most of my time doing is just accounting stuff. Um, I do work now for a local Texas nonprofit. So that has been an awesome transition for me. Definitely been enjoying that. Um, But outside of work, because I don't want work to define me. um, Obviously, I spend a lot of time at the studio with you guys, with um, whether that's taking a class, teaching a class or doing the workshops, currently enrolled in the 300 hours. So trying to do those weekend workshops when I can. Um, I'm, I like to say I'm into like hiking and camping, but I feel with the weather down here for like seven months of the year, it's way too hot to even do that. Um, So I'm starting to try and find my identity again now that it's like cold and acceptable relatively cold compared to the 100 degrees um, to get out there. Just bought a paddle board, stand-up paddle board this summer. So been getting into that. It's a great way to stay cool in the Texas heat. Um, this time of year, I'm into pies. So I was born on pie day, which just makes sense for me to be into pies. Wait, like the day that we celebrate like the food pies? Yeah, like 3.14159. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that. Oh, I love this for yeah, you. Yeah. So, I mean, we do celebrate, we do celebrate with pies, but it's pie day. So, um, it kind of just worked out perfectly that pies are my thing. And this is kind of like pie season with pumpkin pies, the apple pies, the pecan pies. Um, so, that's, that's been a major jam lately. Um, I guess those are the main things outside of yoga, but let's circle back to that of how I got into it. Um, So I actually didn't get into yoga until relatively recently. I tried back in high school, college. I tried to do the DVDs or those online classes. I had 
my share of depression, anxiety, and people are like, oh, yoga would be great. I'm like, okay, I tried it. It Online DVDs just did not work for me. I don't think I was ready for it at that point is how, how I kind of say that. So I didn't really click. I didn't stick with it. But in, I want to say 2018, but it may have been 2019, um, one of my friends who I worked with and then also went to the same gym as invited me to that gym's version of yoga. So it wasn't called yoga, um, but it was basically a movement, mindfulness, mobility sort of theme, but it was taught by a yoga instructor who very much brought her yogic approach to it. And usually that is something that I would absolutely run from. Um, I prefer to go to the gym at midnight when no one else is there. Um, and I definitely stay away uh, from group classes just because I don't know, it's an intimidating place for me. And so usually I would stay away, but for some reason I agreed to go and that, um, that just set the wheels in motion. So immediately it was seeing the community there, feeling safe, feeling connected, just the way the instructor, and I love her to death to this day. Um, I think she is one of the people that was one of the major catalysts in my life for change. Um, the way that she presented the class was so accessible, so compassionate, and she worked in without me even knowing at the time, the grounding, the inner resource work and everything that I needed. And I was like, I just feel like I can do this. So started going to her class every single Saturday. She picked up another class at another gym close by. So I worked with the owners and I was like, I don't want to pay dual membership, but can we make this happen? And they did. So I was going to her twice a week. And then I started going to one of the local studios because I wanted more in my life. Um, and I started going all the time. I did a beginner workshop. It was like a four week series, I think, which, I mean, that just gave me more than what a normal class would give you. Kind of gave me that real background intro at the philosophy just making understanding that you don't have to always listen to the teacher, you listen to your body. And it was just, a it was all just so fun and transformative. So it was all because a friend asked me to go and then the instructor was amazing and I loved it there. So that was my initial hook. <laughs> so how long have you been practicing? Um, I guess since May of I think it was 2019, if I'm going to be honest. It had to have been 2019 because I didn't start that job until 2018 full time. So, yeah, it's only been like three and a half years. Um, and look at you teaching. That's so awesome. Yeah, I know. I just had to dive right in. I found my calling. <laughs> so uh, at what point in your practice did you decide to go into teacher training? Um, I had honestly been thinking about it since very, very, very early on, like still that first year, the studio that I started going to offered a teacher training, but they recommended at least one year of regular practice under your belt. So I was like, okay, I can't do it yet. I agree. I should probably get more. Um, I cheated though. And I looked at, I was 
I scoured like their curriculum and all their info. And I was like, I'm going to get every bit of info I can. And I bought a bunch of the books of their supplemental reading and did stuff on my own. Um, and then I kept looking at it in 2020, but 2020, we all know life changed. And then I finally um, bit the bullet, I guess, in early 2021. Basically, as soon as I realized that I was moving to Austin, and I, MVP was one of the places that I was looking at in 2020, since I was looking at online at that point. And so once I put it together and it clicked that, oh, hey, MVP's in Austin, I'm moving to Austin, I know I'm horrible online anyway, as soon as that, as soon as those pieces connected, I, it kind of just felt like I had to. So it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I signed up, I did mine in, it started September of last year. So yeah, it's only been like a year now. I was the fall cohort of 2021. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And you, so you just had your one year. And I mean, so I guess for those listeners who don't know, Amy, you really started teaching like, like almost immediately after your certification. Yeah. Yeah. We graduated in December and then I started my first class in mid February. That's awesome. So that leads me beautifully into kind of like my next question. So, and you kind of brought it up a little bit. So how do you feel, how do you feel as though the global events that were happening affected your training? Because obviously you don't have another like experience to compare it to, but just from your, your perception, um, you know, how, how did your training look to you? Um, when I was thinking about this and I, I don't, like you said, I don't really have a comparison of what it would be like without it. To me, everything that happened in our teacher training, I feel like wasn't impacted, but at the same time, I think it was, okay, I, everyone's teacher training experience is so profound and magical. I don't want to say everyone's, but we all have a special connection to our teacher training. And I think coming out of like everything just being shut down, it meant so much to actually have that community again. Coming to MVP for teacher training was the first time that I was regularly regularly in a yoga community since everything shut down. So it was that in itself was just so nice to have and immediately feel that connection, that support that other humans are around and having others to share that experience with. Because for two years, I felt like I hadn't been sharing my experience with people. Like it was, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. It was just kind of on our own, doing our own thing. So that piece of it, I think, maybe was impacted the most by the pandemic, shall we say. Yeah, that's really the only thing that I think the, um, the COVID really impacted. It was just so much greater to be with people. And I know from, you know, experience how much practice teaching 
like one-on-one -on -one practice teaching that MVP does. So I can imagine how, um, how that, how that must have felt. I can imagine, um, you know, coming from spending so much time by yourself, doing things at home, and then you know being able to step into the space with like-minded people and share a similar experience. Yeah, and what you just said about the the practice teaching aspect. That one actually didn't hit me as much about having to share that personal yoga to me is very personal and I usually struggle to share. Um, I live with my sister and brother-in-law and they have never been to a class. They've never really even heard me talk about yoga. So like, I keep it, I keep it very close to my heart um, with that community, but so for me, sharing my practice would usually probably be intimidating, but the practice teaching was one of the easiest transitions for me since I had, I wasn't certified by any means, but for the last year before I moved, I had been teaching and I'm putting that in quotes. I was, I was leading the class. I can't say that I was teaching yoga by any means because I didn't understand yoga, um, but I was basically teaching and trying with the class at the gym that I used to be taking. Um, an incident came up and the position was open. It was like an urgent fill and the world was absolute chaos at that time. So they didn't care at all. I thought I was gonna be a short-term fill. They like, led me in. So I, I kind of already had that year of practice teaching, I guess, behind me. And that, that actually was, that was right after things came back to being in person, but everything everywhere was masked up. So it, that, that I guess was really interesting. It wasn't anything to do with the teacher training, but being in that space, picking up a class where everyone is on high alert, the few people that are coming to the gym like everyone's masked up. It, it's hard to communicate. It's harder to breathe and be present with that. And there, there was a lot of hesitancy around, okay, I want to help and at least bring you a block, but at the same time, I can't touch your block because the rules say like I can't, and I don't want to like get in anyone's space. So that, that was interesting to navigate. Um, but that was again, earlier on. And by the time I did mine, it was a lot more lax. And I think the world had come to a different spot. I don't want to like get into the other pieces of it. But right, yeah. right. Um, wow. So that's a, that's a pretty unique experience then. So you had been quote unquote experimenting with teaching for a little bit before you actually got into like training, which, <clears throat> you know, brings up a interesting point as in the teaching world as well, that you don't necessarily need to be certified to teach. If the people who are hiring you or asking you to teach don't mind, then it doesn't really matter. Um, right. I still, I would highly, highly encourage and recommend right, training, um, right. going through without that. I felt like I was not giving them the best I could. I would spend hours a week just researching and thinking about things, moving through things with my body because I didn't have all of like the knowledge experience 
to piece together something beneficial. And I always, not always, but so many times I just felt like I could do better for them. Um, that's probably my own limiting beliefs, but I still encourage training. <laughs> I applaud your, um, your tenacity and your courage to, you know, to step into that. Cause that's, that's really awesome. It, it was intimidating for sure. But like I said, they were in a tight spot. I thought it was going to be short-term, but worked out to be long-term. And, and here we are. It, I think that was a good stepping stone for me to realize that it did mean that much more to me and that I could use it in that different way. Um, not just necessarily teaching for any personal benefit, but just sharing what it means for me with other people. So that was nice to at least see before I jumped into teacher training. Ah, oh, beautifully put. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I, you brought up a few things that I hadn't really even thought of myself. And I also was teaching during those times when we were all masked and we were doing the six feet, um, which is that everyone was just kind of carrying with them a sense of anxious energy already just because of circumstance. Um, so that's an interesting kind of point of view to consider going into teaching as a new teacher, not only without your certification, but then with your certification. Um, yeah, do you wanna speak on that a little bit? I will try to. I think at the time that I was actually teaching at the gym when it, yeah, it was spaced, masked, everything. It was more just trying to be conscientious of everyone, but also not making any deal about it. I mean, we all kind of were just there for the experience. I think for me, it just made me so much more <laughs> excited to be to be where we are now. I don't think this is even answering your question, but I don't think I have a good answer for that. And so I'm just going to say that I think my takeaway from it is just, I am so incredibly grateful to be in the studio and to be able to practice like we do. Um, and to just see more faces as people become more familiar. Oh my gosh. I remember, I remember the first time actually I had been with these students, um, before I had started teaching before the pandemic. So I knew what their faces looked like, but I remember the first time when the mask orders were lifted and there was like the hesitancy about pulling them off. Like, is this acceptable? And just seeing their faces again and seeing a smile again. Oh, that was so incredible. Anyway, um, that didn't answer your question at all, but I don't think I had a good sound answer for it anyway. <laughs> you did answer my question. Um, yeah, so you encouragement, um, invitation to acknowledge the, the way that you speak to yourself, my lovely friend. You are a, a kind and loving human being who deserves a little bit of compassion. Valid is a good, good point. I have to remind myself of that all the time. So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I mean, I have to too. Otherwise I wouldn't have had such like a succinct like reply to that because that's literally what I tell myself. So yeah. I'm in the boat with you, but as, <laughs> as the neutral observer, I will, I will hand that to you for, and I appreciate it. <laughs>
Um, I love that though, the, the kind of like transition, which I feel like puts you in this kind of unique perspective to kind of give this, um, this story or perspective is that you were, it was during that kind of like middle space that stretched quite a little while <laughs> that we might arguably still be in, but yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, that, that kind of like transition period. Um, so you said you felt excited. Do you feel like that's really what kind of spurred you to chase teaching right after you got your certification to just jump right back in? I honestly didn't even chase it. I, at that point, I used to be in public accounting and that was my busy season, February, everything's ramping up. So I wasn't chasing it. I kind of just wanted to get into my groove, but an opportunity presented itself. And when, so when I was going through my teacher training, yes, we have the practice teaching in small increments, not anything full. You're not really teaching a full class at that point. And something had been feeling off and amiss with my yoga practice. And then when we went to do our practicums after that, I realized, oh my gosh, I have missed this because I hadn't been teaching for that entire time. I was teaching up until the point I moved. So I hadn't been teaching for like four months. And then I got to the practicums and I realized I missed this. So I knew in the back of my head, I wanted to get back into it. And I thought that would be good for me, my practice, just my internal stability. So although I hadn't been actively seeking it, I was kind of waiting until after things died down a bit. Um, an opportunity came up and I was like, you know what? I would love to do that because I knew it was good for my mental health. Um, I had made it work in the past with one class a week and it was not only just a good break for me, but just, I, I knew how much it meant to be to stay in that practice and to have to show up. Cause if it's, if it's just me, like all of us, we aren't always perfect and I don't always show up. Um, but when you're the one to hold space, you have to show up. And so that I think was very, very healthy for me. And so I thought about it a minute, but then I was like, yes, yes, this is the right decision. And yes, I am very, very happy and excited to be back. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, so do you, how long, how, step back. How many, so you were teaching one class when you got your certification, after you got your certification. Yes, that was one class a week was what I was on the schedule for. How quickly did you start to add on more classes or were you just already subbing from the get-go and just? I don't think I was subbing much until after tax deadline, to be honest. I don't think I would have done that to myself. Um, maybe one or two here and there. But then, so I, I had known that I was going to be resigning from that position and so I knew I was going to have a break and as soon as tax day hit I was like yes I'm picking up shifts I am available and then a month later I had my last day I took some time off to just 
settle in. It was intense for me and a big change. So then I, for that bit of time while I was transitioning and before I picked up that new job, I was, yes, I was picking up shifts left and right. It was for an entire month. I picked up daytime shifts, which like the Tuesday, Thursday, every week. And that was so much fun to be there every day at like different times and see different people and just feel the energy shift. Cause I was doing 7 AMs. I know some people are morning people. I am not. <laughs> and like, so energy levels are kind of usually the people that would come, they were still waking up. So then seeing people in the middle of the day was so different and so exciting. Some people had a lot of energy. Some people were still waking up. Some people were struggling with their day. And then just, I don't know, shifting with the sun, shifting with the moon, coming into the evening classes. It's like some people at the 6 p.m.s are saying, I still haven't woken up. So it was just really fun to like start seeing the changes. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was, I, I picked up once I felt I had time and mental energy. <laughs> Do you feel like, doing the variety of classes like that was helpful to building your class size. Now, let me caveat that. Like I fully acknowledge and step into the belief system that building class size is not what we're here to teach for. And in the world of capitalism, it allows our business to be profitable and therefore fill in the blank, right? Right. So <laughs> that's where we are. Um, in that, that vein, do you feel as though subbing like that, stepping into these variety of classes that weren't necessarily quote unquote yours and weren't the same time of day was helpful to like bringing people to your quote unquote regular class time? So, um, I mean, my, my schedule did end up changing a bunch, but I do think having that exposure and seeing people in what would be their or what was their normal routine having exposure, just meeting new faces, making new friends. I think that allows flexibility then in their life to, oh, hey, I know I'm comfortable with this person because we all, we all have different connections, different likes, different dislikes with different teachers. So no one teacher is going to be perfect for everyone that wants to take a yoga class. Um, and I know some people probably do not <laughs> like how, what I have to offer them. Um, but I think that does allow some comfort, some flexibility so that when their schedule does change, they know that they have another place to go. And that's, that's how I viewed it as a student too. I was really attached. I wouldn't say really attached to, I just liked certain teachers. I didn't have any like special attachment to them, but I knew I was safe and comfortable. I liked their classes. So I would routinely go to theirs. And when a sub would come up on the schedule, I would be kind of hesitant, but sometimes I would still go. And that would make me realize, oh, I like this person too. I can be more flexible with my schedule. And so I think, I think that's a common mindset of just seeing people at different times of day as life happens, life changes we all have to make adjustments and they can fluctuate, come and go as they need them. I think you highlighted something that is prevalent, common, um, 
especially in yoga, because like you highlighted earlier, it's this very special and spiritual experience for a lot of people, if not everyone. So when you find a space that feels comfortable, that does feel safe, that does feel inclusive, you do return to it. And at the same time, I know in myself that I can get in this rut, uh, rut of, you know, this is my teacher. I'm going to go to my teacher. And what I find myself, and I'll let you speak to this too, Amy, um, is when I do go to those different classes, that's when I find new ideas. Yes. Yes, so much. Because, um, yeah, you get into the routine and then that person's flow, their offering becomes your practice. What I, when I'm going to the same person, that's what I end up practicing on my own usually because that just becomes the natural flow that my body chooses to go with. But then, yeah, you change it up. You go to a different teacher who has a completely different approach and you're finding fun new transitions or you're finding things that maybe for other people work, but you realize don't sit great for you. And you're like, okay, that's a thing to be aware of. And hey, maybe I should reframe what I have to offer so that in case anything that I'm offering impacts people in a way that isn't the best transition for them, like they're aware that they can do whatever they want. I, I don't know. There was, there are just so many, I don't want to say so many, but classes now and then when there is just such a fun, different transition or a pose that I have never done before where, yeah, it does kind of bring back that spark and excitement and makes me want to just try experimenting more with different things or experimenting and checking out different classes because there is so much more instead of having just that narrow vision of what you are in the routine of. Absolutely. No, for sure. And I don't think it's something that I paid attention to until I was a teacher. Um, And so, you know, I don't think that I was aware of how much not only I was missing out, but how much I was, you know, I don't want to center everything about me, but keeping from other teachers as well because of that hesitancy to go and see their class and visit their Mm -hmm. class. Um, You know, yeah, because you bring up a great point. Everyone's so different. Everyone brings something different to the table. And so, yeah. So I love that you, that you decided to kind of take that approach for you only because you were like so much enjoying teaching yoga that you were just like all over the place. Um, So once you like, came back into quote unquote your nine to five let's say that once you came back to your nine to five um how did that affect your your teaching schedule like what did that do for you as far as like work-life balance in that way yeah so my prior job had been 100% remote we I was still working with my team um back in Wisconsin and so we did have an office in Austin, so I could go in if I wanted to, but that ended up me not going into the office and I was always at home, AKA my schedule could be incredibly flexible and I didn't have to spend the time getting ready in the morning. Uh, once I started the new job, it, it, it is in person every day and I don't, I don't have a set time to get in, but I like to be there 
before nine. Otherwise I personally just feel off. Like I'm doing something wrong that there's no rule around it. Nobody is telling me that I can't. My boss has made it clear that you can use that flexible time, but for some reason, it's just a thing in my head. Um, so I had been, I had been doing the 7am classes or one 7am class. That was, that was my class. And so once I started, I tried it out for a couple weeks, maybe a month and just, and I had also just moved at that point, like 10, 15 minutes further from the studio. And then I also had to add in the commute to an office. So for me, it just felt too crunched to be able to actually hold space without my own personal anxiety that I had somewhere else to be. So we made an adjustment since it didn't really work wonderfully in my schedule anymore. And I switched to the evenings, which has been a lot easier on the schedule with work. Um, but now I'm trying to figure out my own personal practice schedule and what I might have to do because it's, it's cold and it's dark now. So going outside for like walks or runs doesn't seem so wonderful at night. And I'm wondering if a morning class would be better. I don't know. So <laughs> now I'm in that chaotic flux again with the seasons changing and trying to work out my new schedule. But yeah, that, that was the initial shift was just switching from mornings to evening. So I've been on the evenings now since I want to say August or September. I don't really remember when that change happened, but it's been a few months. <laughs> so do you feel as though your experience teaching is vastly different, like at the 7 a.m. versus the 7 p.m.? Because I know you do that and that's like just a big shift um yeah I energy wise I think I am better in the evenings because like I said I am not a morning person I will be up and I will be there early if I have to be so I was absolutely there but there was a small piece of me that was always like I hope no one shows up so I can go back to bed <laughs> which is an off like, I was never, ever upset when anyone walked through the door. It made it worthwhile at that point. And I loved having the time. My morning people were super special because it it's just this different vibe you have when you're all committing to getting up early together. But my morning classes, I took, I took a more gentle approach. It wasn't necessarily a gentle class, but I wasn't, I was trying to make it a, smooth transition into movement and having energy. So we didn't do anything too extreme. And I tried to be very, I feel like I always try to be very soft, but um, I tried to make it that. And in the evenings, I'm, I'm, I'm just switching again to a new day of the week. So there'll be another transition here. And I'm trying to figure out once this class establishes itself, maybe I can get into that groove. But for now, it's kind of just every day or every week feeling what the energy levels are like from whoever's coming in the door. Um, since at this point, again, now with the switch, I, I don't want to say I have regulars yet to this new class. 
um, there have been like, you know, a few people not, I wouldn't, I will not say every week once, once I've got them like every week, then I'll be like, yeah. Um, or even like two times a month, I'd be like, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to really just see what they want because it's, yeah, I, I used to come in with what an idea of what I knew I was going to do and the energy level and the movements that we were going to take based on what, what I had decided and worked through that entire week. Um, but now it's, I'm trying to cater to them because it's not at all about me. It is a hundred percent about them and their experience. And I think that was just part of the growing pains of being a new teacher. And that was also before I had done teacher training. So I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, but again, just trying to develop this class around whoever decides to show up and the regulars will probably define what my class looks like going forward because I want to give them the best offering I can for them. I think you just highlighted a really beautiful shift that I feel like happens naturally for a lot of people, a lot of new teachers, you know, that shift from, okay, I'm feeling comfortable enough from writing my own sequences, planning them out, practicing them and teaching those to now I can be a little, a little flexible. I can have an idea and then ask for requests and then mm -hmm. I can meet the students' needs. And I feel like that authentic energy is really what brings students back to class. Um, even if you do switch times and switch days, cause you know, change really throws people off and you get two, three regulars come in and then you change your day and there they go, you know? Um, right. So I feel like just sticking to that kind of, and you put it beautifully earlier, that like projection free, that container that just shows up for the students. I think that that's what brings them back. Yeah, that's what we try to do. It's hard when they don't really, and I don't, I don't try to pry. I don't try to really push. If try to get a feel for their energy, if they're quiet, not try, like not really engaging much in conversation before class about how they may be feeling. Then I, I will kind of just start with my own what I would what I would usually do, and then I guess I just adjust as we're moving through class. If people are moving slower or taking more time, or if if someone is adding an extra movement, I will be like, all right, we're trying to go a little faster here. I will speed this up and we will add in some more stuff. Um, or when I give them time to do their own like variations, their own time, like Yogi's Choice and whatever, I'll kind of feed off of that and be like, okay, they are looking for some movement here. They're looking for that. And then I'll just, I, I try not to be too much of using them as my guide, but a hundred percent, I try to use them as my guide. <laughs> a beautiful balance of both and always. Um, I think that that's a really nice lead into my next question. Um, so I feel like you have really nice experience as a year fresh from your anniversary, a new teacher um, who also started really teaching during a rough time got certified and then started teaching during a, a time of transition um are there any other tips other than that beautiful offering you just gave of like listening to the cues of your students 
and adapting your class? Like any other tips for new teachers just stepping out there? Um, I think one, okay. So I had written down a few. I'm going to try not to read them. <laughs> but A, I think it's super important that you embrace it and enjoy it. Um, my number one thing is I, I teach what I practice. So I, I only do what I'm comfortable with. There are, I, I don't do inversions at this point. Um, on a, there was one class with you actually, um, things were happening, changing in my personal life and you cued the opportunity to work with Crow. And I know that's like, not an intense, it's still an inversion for me. And I'm sorry, it's, it's out of my comfort zone usually. And I actually did it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, the like, inversions and whatnot, or certain movements, I just know my body can't move that way, or I am not comfortable doing them. So I don't, I, I don't teach them. I, I teach in the style that I personally practice. Yeah. Um, I will always by by no means are students limited to my practice, then I will 100% offer if this is an, if something further is in your practice, or if these different poses are in your practice, you are more than welcome to go there. Um, I, by no means, there will be students doing inversions in my class, not, not every week, but now and then we just, we've got some, and I love that. I'm like, yes, go you. That is beautiful. You know what your body needs and you're doing it. So I never, ever limit anyone there, but I personally don't want to guide anyone into something that I don't adequately know how to describe. In the beginning of my teaching, I did like all the demoing because I was trying to just process how to describe the movement I was making. And I think that's that's a big part of the teacher training, right? So when I was doing this before teacher training, I was just trying to describe my movements and paying so much attention to my body that that's kind of what I naturally naturally fell into. Um, I think another big one, and you as you pointed out to me earlier, is having compassion with yourself um, and just allowing that not every class is going to feel perfect and like you have that space and that grace to make mistakes and keep learning um my so we were kind of like talking about class sizes before and I was having this conversation with another relatively new teacher at the studio of I think we all kind of go through this or at least pretty much all the teachers that I've talked to there of taking class sizes personally especially in the beginning um, and learning not to take it personally. And just at this point, if it's raining outside and cold, I'm like, Hey, that's going to keep people away. It's, it's not me. Um, I, I used to get really in my head of that, of people not liking me, not liking my class, not liking my offering. Um, but it's, it's okay. Like, yeah, you're not going to be perfect for every single student, but your offering is your offering. It is unique to you and that will be perfect. And that will be beautiful for some student walking in the door. Um, we can't meet everyone's needs. Um, so just not taking that personally and sticking to it 
and just staying on that path. Um, ooh, one, one big thing, sorry, I had to glance at my notes. One, one of the big things for me is that I've just started kind of with mostly with the other teachers that may come into class or when I go to their class is actually asking for and giving a real genuine constructive feedback of, and that, that was something that I kind of struggled with, with my teacher training is I think a lot of people struggle to do anything that isn't affirmative and positive. Like, yeah, let's point out all these beautiful things. Those beautiful things do exist. But I've also kind of been trying to ask for and then also share with others just if transitions felt okay, like how it felt in them, what wasn't necessarily perfect. Like, are we going into a certain thing cold without warming up or did a certain word or a style like activate me in some way? Cause we were just, this was, this was actually in our, one of the 300 hour workshops. It was, I want to say yoga for trauma or like it wasn't trauma informed, but it was more like recovery. It was for recovery. Okay. And we had pointed, somebody pointed out even saying, you know, like we lay over, like we grew up and I, everyone called it the fetal position. Like you're just laying on your side, curled up in a ball. Never, ever did it process to me that, Hey, something that I think is benign like that could be activating for somebody, depending what they're going through. So just asking for that feedback on small little things like that you might not think. Asking is the only way to get feedback. And I won't say that I've gotten a ton of it because, or that I've given a ton of it, but I've been trying to be more active in that and just trying to incorporate that not only into my practice, but also then into my life of just adjusting what I do and what I have. Um, and I think my last real thing is just having conversations with your peers, I guess, when and if you're struggling at any point, like if you have those limiting beliefs or that imposter syndrome, I, I honestly go up and down in waves. I'll be rock solid for like a month or two. And then I'll have a month where I just, I feel so inadequate. And I'm just looking at all these other teachers and like, wow, that's so beautiful. You, you are so much better than me. You're like, I'm not qualified to do this. Um, but then I sit down and I have a conversation with either like those same teachers or other teachers that like are my peers and we are all going through that. But then we offer, we offer, I offer them the words that I should be telling myself and then all the things just click. And having those conversations, I think, has been, those have been so important to me and just keeping myself in the rhythm and keeping my mind in a stable place and able to continue showing up. I think you highlighted a few really good things there. And basically it always just comes down to me as communication, right? Mm -hmm. Because yoga is such a personal experience 
And what we're doing is taking our personal experience and offering that through our lens to other people. And just inherently, we're not the same. Things are going to feel the same. So I think that that feedback, like you said, not only from students, but from your peers is so valuable. Um, And just being one, open to it, but two, not taking it personally because it's not about you. The feedback's not about you. 100% I agree that that summary that you just had was absolutely beautiful your take absolutely love that so Amy I want to hold space for you to share anything else that you want to impart uh, on the listeners after all those lovely tips um, for any of those new teachers out there looking for a little bit of support Um, anything else um I think just giving ourselves that reminder that and I'm going to steal, I don't know if these are Michelle's words or whose ultimate words than they actually were. Um, but we are all just in our human experience together and we all deserve that grace, that compassion um, along our journey, no matter where you are in your process, if you are just starting yoga or if you have been doing this for 10 years, if you have fallen off the track, if you are on rock solid on those tracks right now, no matter where you are, I think it's all such an important piece of the journey. Um, I know for me, I have had my struggles personally with yoga, with anything else under the sun. And at least right now through yoga, I have found so much understanding of putting the pieces together of my life and coming to the point of just acceptance and not taking anything in front of me for granted. Um, I think we all kind of shared a similar experience going through the last few years with the pandemic of changing the perspective And I know everyone is on their own path, their own journey, but trying to take that time to really appreciate the practice and the time and the energy that you have, not only the practice, but also for yourself. I think that is so crucial and so important for us all to do. So no matter where you are, who you are, I'm so grateful to be part of this community with you. And oh my gosh, thank you to MVP and everyone for being part of this journey for me. What a beautiful note to end on. It's such a privilege to be in this time and space at the same time as one another. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, your thoughts, your wisdom with our listeners. Um, I know MVP is thankful to have you as part of the team. Um, I know that MVP is thankful for the listeners and we wouldn't be what we are without community, whether it's a teacher, studio, anything at all. So thank you, Amy, again, for your time, space, and energy. It's been such a pleasure. Um, Everyone, thank you for listening. Have a beautiful rest of your day, night, morning, wherever you are. And we'll see you next time.